For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Hello everybody, Jonathan Jenkins here with Grace Bond Ministries. Um, So I mentioned in my last podcast, I just want to get down to the chase because I want to make this as short as possible. Uh, But I mentioned in my last podcast that Austin Pounds and I are going to talk about this issue of inerrancy and uh, infallibility and inspiration. Uh, And before we have that discussion, this right here, this is called the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. This was a uh, a meeting. I don't know the whole history of it. I don't know who all was there and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But I do know that it has shaped a lot since 1978 when it came out. Uh, I know it's shaped a lot of how we view inerrancy today. Uh, But anyways, it's going to be very important to our discussion. And I affirm uh, almost everything in this. Uh, Austin probably probably would question a, a lot of different things on this. Austin, if you're watching, you know, just uh, just affirm what I said that you would question a lot of things in this. And I, I, there's a few things I would question too. You'll see my notes as I scroll through it. But uh, I just wanted to read this for you real quick, and because uh, some of you may may be, may be more apt to listen to this than you would to read it. So uh, I just want to read the Chicago Statement on, of Inerrancy, and uh, hopefully can get you a little more excited and interested in the conversation that Austin and I are uh, planning and working through. So this is Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy. The authority of Scripture is a key issue for the Christian church in in every age. Those who profess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are called to show the reality of their discipleship by humbly and faithfully obeying God's written word. To stray from Scripture in faith or conduct is disloyalty to our Master. Recognition of the total truth and trustworthiness of Holy Scripture is essential to a full grasp and adequate confession of its authority. The following statement affirms this inerrancy of Scripture afresh, making clear our understanding of it and warning against its denial. We are persuaded that to deny it is to set aside the witness of Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit and to refuse that submission to the claims of God's own word, which marks true Christian faith. We see it as our timely duty to make this affirmation in the face of current lapses from the truth of inerrancy among our fellow Christians and misunderstanding of this doctrine in the world at large. This statement consists of three parts, a summary statement, articles of affirmation and denial, and an accompanying exposition. It has been prepared in the course of a three-day consultation in Chicago. Those who have signed the summary statement and the articles wish to affirm their own conviction as to the inerrancy of Scripture, and to encourage and challenge one another and all Christians to growing appreciation and understanding of this doctrine. We acknowledge the limitations of a document prepared in a brief, intensive conference and do not propose that this statement be given creedal weight. Yet we rejoice in the deepening of our own convictions through our discussions together, and we pray that the statement we have signed may be used to the glory of our God toward a new reformation of the Church in its faith, life, and mission. We offer this statement in a spirit not of contention, but of humility and love, which we purpose by God's grace to maintain in any future dialogue arising out of what we have said. We gladly acknowledge that many who deny the inerrancy of Scripture do not display the consequences of this denial in the rest of their belief and behavior. And we are conscious that we who confess the doctrine often deny it in life by failing to bring our thoughts and deeds, our traditions and habits into true subjection to the divine word. 
We invite response to this statement from any who see reason to amend its affirmations about Scripture by the light of Scripture itself, under whose infallibility authority, uh, infallible authority we stand as we speak. We claim no personal infallibility for the witness we bear and for any help which enables us to strengthen this testimony to God's word, we shall be grateful. A short statement. One, God is himself truth and speaks truth only, has inspired Holy Scripture in order thereby to reveal himself to lost mankind through Jesus Christ as creator and Lord, redeemer and judge. Holy Scripture is God's witness to himself. Holy Scripture, being God's own word, written by men, prepared and superintended by his Spirit, is of infallible divine authority in all matters upon which it touches. It is to be believed as God's instruction in all that it affirms, obeyed as God's command in all that it requires, embraced as God's pledge in all that it promises. The Holy Spirit, Scripture's divine author, both authenticates it to us by his inward witness and opens our minds to understand its meaning. Being holy and verbally God-given, Scripture is without error or fault in all its teaching, no less in what it states about God's acts in creation, about the events of world history, and about its own literary origins under God, than in, in its witness to God's saving grace in individual lives. The authority of Scripture is inescapably impaired if this total divine inerrancy is in any way limited or disregarded or made relative to a view of the church Contrary to the Bible's own, and such lapses bring serious loss to both the individual and the church. Articles of Affirmation and Denial, Article 1. We affirm that the Holy Scriptures are to be received as the authoritative word of God. We deny that the Scriptures receive their authority from the church, from tradition, or any other human source. Article 2. We affirm that the Scriptures are the supreme written norm by which God binds the conscious. <laughs> and that the authority of the church is subordinate to that of Scripture. We deny that church creeds, councils, or declarations have authority greater than or equal to the authority of the Bible. Article 3. We affirm that the written word in its entirety is revelation given by God. We deny that the Bible is merely a witness to revelation or only becomes revelation in encounter or depends on the responses of men for its validity. Article 4. We affirm that God who made mankind in his image, has used language as a mean of revelation. We deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. We further deny that the corruption of human culture and language through sin has thwarted God's work of inspiration. We affirm that God's revelation in the Holy Scriptures was progressive. We deny that later revelation, which may fulfill earlier revelation, ever corrects or contradicts it. We further deny that any normative revelation has been given since the completion of the New Testament writings. We affirm that the whole of Scripture, this is Article 6, we affirm that the whole of Scripture and all its parts down to the very words of the original were given by divine inspiration. Original is an important word there uh, for that. We deny that the inspiration of Scripture can rightly be affirmed of the whole without the parts or of or some parts but not the whole. Article 7. We affirm that inspiration was the work in which God by His Spirit through human writers gave us His Word. The origin of Scripture is divine. The mode of divine inspiration remains largely a mystery to us. We deny that inspiration can be reduced to human insight or to heightened states of consciousness of any kind. 
We affirm that God, in his work of inspiration, utilized the distinctive personalities and literary styles of the writers whom he had chosen and prepared. We deny that God, in causing these writers to use the very words that he chose, overrode their personalities. Article 9. We affirm that inspiration, though not conferring omniscience, guaranteed true and trustworthy utterance on all matters of which the biblical authors were moved to speak and write. We deny that the finitude or, or fallenness of these writers by necessity or otherwise introduce distortion or falsehood into God's word. Article 10. We affirm that inspiration, strictly speaking, applies only to the autographic text of Scripture, uh, which is the uh, original, which in the providence of God can be ascertained from available manuscripts with great accuracy. We further affirm that copies and translation of Scripture are the word of God to the extent that they faithfully represent the original. We deny that any essential element of the Christian faith is affected by the absence of the autographs. We further deny that the, this absence renders the assertion of biblical inerrancy invalid or irrelevant. Article 11. We affirm that Scripture, having been given by divine inspiration, is infallible, so that, for uh, far from misleading us, it is true and reliable in all the matters it addresses. We deny that it is possible for the Bible to be at the same time infallible and errant in its assertions. Uh, assertions. Infallibility and inerrancy may be distinguished, but not separated. Article 12. We affirm that Scripture in its entirety is inerrant, being free from all falsehood, fraud, and deceit. Or deceit. We deny that biblical infallibility and inerrancy are limited to spiritual, religious, or redemptive themes exclusive of assertions in the fields of history and science. We further deny that scientific hypotheses about earth history may properly be used to overturn the teaching of scripture on, on creation and the flood. Article 13. We affirm the propriety of using inerrancy as a theological term with reference to the complete truthfulness of scripture. We deny that it is proper to evaluate scripture according to standards of truth and error that are alien to its usage or purpose. We further deny that inerrancy is negated by biblical phenomena such as a lack of modern technical precision, irregularities of grammar or spelling, observational deceptions of nature, the reporting of falsehoods, the use of hyperbole and round numbers, the topical arrangement of material, variant selections of material and parallel accounts, or the use of free citations. We affirm the unity and internal consistency of Scripture. We deny that alleged errors and discrepancies that have not yet been resolved uh, vitiate the truth claims of the Bible. Article 15. We affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy is grounded in the teaching of the Bible about inspiration. We deny that Jesus' teaching about Scripture may be dismissed by appeals to accommodation or to any natural limitation of his humanity. We affirm that the doctrine of inerrancy has been integral to the church's faith throughout, the history, throughout its history. We deny that inerrancy is a doctrine invented by scholastic Protestantism or is a reactionary position postulated in response to negative higher criticism. Article 17, we affirm that the Holy Spirit bears witness to the scriptures, assuring believers of the truthfulness of God's written word. We deny that this witness of the Holy Spirit operates in isolation from or against scripture. Article 18, we affirm that the text of scripture is to be interpreted by grammatical historical exegesis, taking account of its literary forms and devices that the scripture is to interpret scripture. We deny the legitimacy of any treatment of the text request for sources lying behind it that leads to relativizing, dehistoricizing, 
or discounting its teaching or rejecting its claim to authorship. Uh, Article 19, the last article. We affirm that a confession of the full authority, infallibility, and inerrancy of Scripture is vital to a sound understanding of the whole of the Christian faith. We further affirm that such confession should lead to the increasing conformity to the image of Christ. We deny that such confession is necessary for salvation. However, we further deny that inerrancy can be rejected without grave consequences, both to the individual and to the church. All right, so if you are, were watching the video, uh, or uh, if you were watching the video, you could see as I scroll through it, you, can, you were probably reading along with me. Um, uh, but if you're just listening, that is the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy of 1978. Uh, very important for the discussion that Austin and I are going to have. And we're going to use this and the, uh, the Baptist faith and message. Um, we're going to use this and the Baptist faith and message to kind of uh, focus uh, our discussion. Uh, and so it sounds like the plan right now is Austin and I, in our first podcast, we're going to uh, talk about what our differences are. And then we're going to try to define uh, words like inerrancy, uh, infallibility, uh, inspiration, those kinds of words. We're going to try to define those uh, because that's important as to what him and I both believe. Uh, and then after that, I'm hoping that we can jump into some of the, uh, so the reason Austin denies inerrancy is because he thinks that there are some things in the Bible uh, that are just obvious, uh, maybe not even contradictions. Some of his contradictions, uh, he, he, he does the incarnational uh, theology, which basically says that if you can't see it through the life or, or the, the speech of Jesus, the things he said or the things he did, if, you, if it's not in there and it can't be defended and you doesn't, it doesn't look like Jesus, basically. So stuff like slavery, you know, that doesn't look like Jesus to Austin. And so he would say that there is an issue there and that the issue is that that was written by uh, fallible men. Uh, but the but uh, men who are who are still inspired by God in, in kind of a different way that most people are used to saying it. So we got to get to those definitions, and then we're going to look at these these actual uh, what what Austin would probably call contradictions to the nature of Jesus Christ found throughout Scripture that that have are kind of leading him in the direction of denying uh, orthodox inerrancy. Um, so. We're going to try to do that, and then hopefully we can try, we're going to try, I'm hoping we can try to do one more where I can then turn around the discussion um, towards Austin uh, and put the, you know, try to put more of the burden of proof on him and uh, critique his views uh, about about this topic. Now, this is a very important topic, and uh, Austin and I would both say that, you know, we both love each other, we both think we're uh, strong Christian people, uh, but... Uh, you know, unfortunately, this is just one of those of, of one of the first major uh, things that Austin and I have disagreed on. So we're going to tackle this with uh, love and respect, uh, but all for the glory of God and all for the for the gospel and all for Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So I hope you're looking forward to that, and I hope that uh, if this is not your first time, if this is your first time hearing the Chicago Statement of Inerrancy, I hope you realize just how much it, this has affected the way we view inerrancy. Uh, that it is an important work of history. So anyways, thank you for listening or thank you for watching. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking about this topic with Austin.